The following sermon was delivered by Senior Pastor Scott Black Johnston during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is Dr. Black Johnston. Let us pray. Gracious God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds so that as your scripture is read and your word is proclaimed, we might hear with joy what it is that you are saying to us this day. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This fall here at Fifth Avenue Church, we have been studying the human heart. Each of us has looked inside and asked, what are the basic touchstones that guide my heart? It's been humbling work, but not lonely. Along the way, we've been met by one who was determined to replace our toxic selfishness with better loves, higher loves, loves capable of grounding us in this life. Today, in the ninth sermon in this series on All Saints Sunday, our attention turns to the spirit world. In creeds and prayers and hymns, Christians claim to be surrounded by the communion of saints, the spirits of those who belong to God. So this morning, we are going to consider sacred spirits and holy ghosts. What sort of place do they have in your heart? To ponder that question, let us listen together for God's word as it echoes to us First, from the book of 1 Samuel, beginning with the third verse. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. King Saul had expelled the mediums and the wizards from the land, the Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. Saul gathered all Israel and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, not by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, so that I may go to her and inquire of her. His servants said to him, There's a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and went there, he and two men with him. They came to the woman by night, and he said, Consult a spirit for me, and bring up for me the one whom I name to you. 
The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he's cut off the mediums and the wizards from the land. Why then are you laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He answered, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Have no fear. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the ground. He said to her, What is his appearance? She said, An old man is coming up. He's wrapped in a robe. So Saul knew that it was Samuel and bowed with his face to the ground and did obeisance. And a second reading this morning from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, beginning with the 24th verse. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of God, for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As many of you know, my father-in-law, Amy's dad, Philip, died this past May. His name was one of those that Kate just read. In the weeks following Phil's death, we did all the normal stuff that people do when someone they love dies. Family members gathered, a memorial service was held, hymns were sung, pictures were displayed, stories were told, there was laughter and tears aplenty. Later, as per Phil's wishes, his ashes were buried somewhat surreptitiously in the family plot. As we were digging, my son Oliver asked, Dad, is this legal? I responded, I think we want to go a little deeper. My family has a long history of clandestine burials, but that, however, is a story best left to another day. After all the official events celebrating Phil's life were finished, Amy's wider family dispersed and we drove to our little cabin for some vacation. We had not, of course, finished grieving. We were, however, entering a new stage on that journey. And what, what came next did pull more tears from our eyes, but it also proved to be deeply comforting. When someone that you love dies, 
ordinary things associated with that person get endowed with great significance. The shirts Phil wore, the tools he used, the corner of our cabin roof he so carefully repaired, the gifts he gave, this set of binoculars, that stuffed animal chicken, all these mundane things began to sparkle with significance. They were tangible evidence that Phil was here, that he walked on this planet and touched our lives. Physical items, of course, are not the only links that we share with deceased loved ones. When someone dies, you remain attuned to their likes and dislikes. You're, you're, you're keenly aware of those moments she would have loved, the, the song of a house wren, the, the triumphant shout of a grandchild. You, you recognize places in a conversation where he would have smiled, talking about art, holding that first cup of coffee in the morning. You begin to think about values that you inherited from the deceased. You notice that turn of phrase on your lips that you first heard on your father's lips. You recognize the way in which your patterns of speech mirror your mother's cadence. It's literally true. Others live on inside of us. And it's not just one generation either. Some of the things that, that Amy's father passed along to her were passed along to Phil by his parents and, and to those folk by, by their parents and so on. This past Wednesday, David Brooks, New York Times columnist, addressed members of this congregation in the wider New York City community at the Gatto Lecture. And, and in his talk... Brooks referenced recent psychological studies that focus on people who know each other really well. Close friends, spouses, siblings, parents, children. It turns out, these psychologists say, that we influence each other's speech and thinking in profound ways. Our thoughts can actually become synchronized. We, we've all had those moments, right, in, in the joyful give and take of a conversation with a close friend when the same words erupt from our lips at the same time. When this happens on family car trips, my kids shout, jinx! <laughs> the closeness we share makes us laugh. Our faith acknowledges the power of this connection. Of course, of course we can fall into synchronicity with those we love. And our faith actually sees no boundaries to that claim. According to the creeds of the church, the mystical communion that we have with those we love does not end when they die. It doesn't stop ever. The bond continues. I believe, we say, in the communion of saints. Today's passage from 1 Samuel is a fabulous 
post-Halloween story. It features both a witch and a ghost. They're on the cover of your bulletin. Um, if you get bored with this, just look at that. It's amazing painting. But the real focus here isn't on the witch or the ghost, but on the king, King Saul, the first king of Israel. He is in a jam. He's at war with the Philistines and he's worried. The Philistine army looks bigger and tougher, and, and the king doesn't know what to do. He needs advice, so Saul cries out for a witch, a soothsayer, a necromancer, somebody who can put him in touch with his most trusted advisor, Samuel, a prophet who just happens to be recently deceased. Now there's a lot of irony in the king's request here because as the text tells us, Saul had previously banned fortune tellers and mediums from the realm. The potentate sent them packing, and now he wants a consultation. Saul's hypocrisy makes us smile. Politicians. Our smile grows when the king's cabinet, without hesitation, provides Saul with the location of an illegal soothsayer. There's a witch, they respond with guilty speed, in Endor. Some ban. Anyway, Saul heads to Endor. The witch there takes some convincing. Eventually, though, she does her witchy stuff, and the ghost of Samuel appears. Now, now, at this point, it, it helps to remember that, that, that when he was alive, the prophet Samuel was a straightforward and often stern critic of King Saul. You can hear this same approach in the counsel offered by Samuel's ghost. The ghost is utterly consistent with his typical truth-telling ways. Samuel predicts, that Saul is going to lose his upcoming battle with the Philistines and in the process lose his life. You can almost see in your mind's eye Saul trudging back to the battle muttering, I knew it, I didn't even have to go to Endor to hear it, I could have sat on the couch at home and told you exactly what that cranky old prophet was going to say. It's a great story. And it, and it popped prompts the right sort of questions for All Saints Day. Are there ghosts out there whose advice you crave? Are there those within the communion of saints to whom you would like to speak today? As you ponder your answer, let's do a little basic background work. What is a ghost? The word ghost makes its way into the English language as a cognate of the German word geist and the Dutch word geest. All three of these words, ghost, geist, geest, refer to something non-corporeal, non-physical, disembodied. All three of these words are translations of the Latin word spiritus. And this explains why Christians slip so effortlessly back and forth between talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. The terms are synonymous. Both refer to the invisible presence of God, to what the Hebrews call ruach, 
the breath of God, the wind of God, the spirit of God that blows where it will. Now, whenever religious types start talking about disembodied spirits or the invisible wind of God, a lot of people out there naturally roll their eyes. It, it can all seem like, like metaphysical mumbo-jumbo. But before we let dismissive voices prevail, I want to touch again on the work of modern psychologists. They confirm what the story of Saul illustrates. There exists within us, inside of us, a chorus of voices that reflect our most important and powerful relationships. Inside of our heads are the voices of teachers and, and aunts and next-door neighbors, the voices of coaches and, and, and grandparents, the voices of colleagues and, and significant others and lifelong friends. A few minutes ago, I baptized little Charlotte Victoria. Charlotte is a great example of what psychologists are talking about. She's already being imprinted with the voices and values and hopes and graces of those around her. She's been grafted into her family by parents and grandparents and, and so many generations that have gone on before her. And Charlotte will, as she grows, transmit these values and perspectives and loves to the generations that will follow after her. Our faith amplifies this truth. We are eternally connected to those we love. The holy counsel, compassion, and encouragement these people provided to us in life is not extinguished when they become ash. They remain. They keep on talking in us, to us, through us. How? Well, says the church, we don't tend to use psychological language to explain this. We use theological language, confessional language, and, and it goes like this. We believe that the saints of the dead live on and are made present to us through the Spirit of God. There are a whole lot of ghosts clustered under the wings of the Holy Ghost. I believe, we say, in the communion of saints. When my mother died some 22 years ago, she was relatively young, 65. My grief was deep. In the midst of it, my friend Stan, a Presbyterian pastor and professor, offered me counsel. Do you talk with her? He asked. No, I responded. Well, Stan said, you might want to start you believe, don't you, in the communion of saints? So I followed Stan's advice. I would go out to my vegetable garden, a place where my mom and I had so many good conversations, and I would talk with her. I would tell her what was happening in my life. The tomatoes are looking good, Mom. Got a promotion at work, Mom. Amy's pregnant, Mom. They say it's going to be a girl. Did she talk back? 
No, not literally. I didn't hear words on the wind, but I did feel a presence. I felt surrounded by the same sort of joy and encouragement that had always followed my mother around. I knew what she was thinking while I was talking. I was in sync. Now you might conclude that that was all some elaborate trick of my mind, a psychological softening of the blow. Maybe, maybe that's all it was. But on All Saints Day, I would beg to differ. Today, when we read the names of the dead here in worship, we weren't howling into the void. We were affirming an ancient Christian belief that our spirits, our geists, our ghosts are bound together by the Holy Spirit. That we are eternally connected to those who have gone on before and to those who will stand in this place long after we are gone. Go from this place, saints of the church, trusting always in the love of God, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and clinging to one another in the power and solidarity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and provided a message of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you are in New York City, we invite you to visit our historic church and join us for worship. You will find our address, worship calendar, and other information on our website, fapc.org. If you would like to help support this audio ministry, please text the dollar amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646-491-8330. Again, that is the amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646-491-8331. Thank you and God bless.